0: Welcome to the latest Buff Zone podcast. I'm Brian Howell and joined by my colleague Pat Rooney, who um, is a little tired from a, a really good basketball game last night up in Fort Collins, but how are you doing, Pat?
1: Great. Great atmosphere up there. Yes, little tired, but that's okay. Uh, it was uh, well-earned, but it was a great atmosphere at Moby. You know, it's uh, amazing how few times, you know, there was a brief hiatus in the rivalry, so haven't been up there a ton, they keep shuffling the uh, media section on us in that arena, which is fine. It was a great vantage last night, great atmosphere. Just really bad first half for the Buffaloes, and too much to overcome, as it turned out.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get more into that here in a second. But uh, real quick, we're gonna we're gonna talk about not only some men's basketball, but women's basketball, and also uh, football, and sort of uh, you know recapping last week's finale and, and some of the moves that have been made earlier this week but we want to start with basketball men's basketball because uh, that game is fresh from last night and um yeah unfortunate loss for the buffs and you know buff fans are never happy about losing to Colorado state but you know in high you know when you look at it really big picture that was a really good basketball game and if you lose to pretty much any other top 20 team on the road by only five points you say all right that's not a bad loss and so uh I thought the Buffs played fairly well in that first half. And, uh, you know, that's a good basketball game last night and CSU is a really good basketball team.
1: Yeah. Agreed on all points. Uh, it was a, a bad first half for the buffs and you know what Colorado state took advantage. They're a very good team. I knew this was going to be a tough matchup. I didn't know how good CSU was going to be this year, but I knew there would be rock solid is as, as soon as Isaiah Stevens said, he was going to come back for his, his extra season. Uh, You know, that guy's very underrated nationally, but I've watched him enough. I know how how good he is. Uh, I know, you know, how how good he is at getting his teammates involved and and setting things up. Uh, And he's a matchup problem, as Ted Boyle explained going into the game. uh, He's a point guard that can score on all three levels and also get his teammates involved. And uh, certainly the other storyline was first game against – former CU buff Neat Clifford, and he certainly seems to have found a home at Colorado State. We'll see how it keeps up through the course of the season, but certainly during their seven-zero start, we're seeing a much more confident Neat Clifford uh, than the player we saw on the floor, certainly last season at CU.
0: Yeah, he was a guy, you know, You and I talked about it. I always loved Neat Clifford's potential. Like He was one of my favorite younger players when he was there, but it just never fully clicked for him, but it looks like it is now, and so um, I think it's great to see that for Nick because I, I think he's a really good player and um, probably a pretty darn good moment for him to get that dunk there in the final minute and sort of uh, um, not really put a cap. I mean, that was the final, that was the basket that made the difference at the end, but uh, that had to feel pretty good for him.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it did. I had a chance to say hi to him briefly afterward. And, uh, you know, it's just such a, first of all, and, and Ted Boyle talked about this this week, just a great young man. You know, he was, for, for what it's worth out there, bus fans, you know, I asked him a lot of kind of tough questions. I'm sure for him, uh, at the end of last year, just throughout his struggles and, you know, he was never shy or ambivalent about answering them. Uh, you know, he always kind of owned up to the struggles he was going through and, and talked about trying to get it turned around and, uh, you know, for, for whatever it's worth, he was always very stand up and, and polite about it and, uh, it's good to see him doing well. You know, standing next to him, you forget how big he's listed at 6'6". Six, six. He seems bigger. Uh, and obviously, he can do a little bit of everything. You know, he showed flashes of being a good rebounder here at CU. Uh, and he is off to a very good start in that department uh, at, at, at CSU. Led their, their team with six rebounds last night. Um, and shooting the ball pretty well. You know, he's even shooting free throws. That was one of the things I could never understand his two years in the rotation here. Uh, is he was an awful free throw shooter and it made no sense whatsoever. Uh, but whatever, you know, especially on a team, you know, when he was a true freshman, that team was the one that almost broke the NCAA free throw shooting record. So it's not like he hadn't been around other good free throw shooters or I'm sure gotten advice to see how it's done. But for whatever reason, it didn't happen. He's knocking them down at, at CSU and Definitely good uh, to see him seemingly finding a home with that team. You know, he and Joel Scott, uh, the younger brother of Josh Scott, really give that team a different dynamic uh, than they had a year ago.
0: Yeah, that was the other interesting thing to see. Josh Scott's brother on the other end of that. And so, you know, a couple of guys with some buff ties that uh, it probably felt pretty good for them to win that game. But I want to ask you about uh, three different buffs. And um, I want to start with K.J. Simpson, because uh 30 points last night and really um you know was fantastic in a lot of ways but um he talk about his game a little bit and and obviously he had that the there was a storyline that matchup with isaiah stevens but what did you think about his game last night and and really how he's playing this season
1: you know other than bad shooting game against florida state he's putting together a really good start his assist to turnover rate is uh you know he's basically having the season on the assistive turnover rate so far that McKinley Wright didn't have until he was a senior AJ Simpson, obviously a junior right now, that Florida state game, he didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, but last night, you know, he really kind of kept the buffs in it, uh, as best he could early, uh, until he started getting some more help particularly from Cody Williams, uh, a little bit from Julian Hammond as well in the second half. Um, I you know, I think KJ's playing really well right now. He's making good decisions. He, you know, he's a good shooter, so when he gets looks, he's knocking them down. Um, and you know, he's he's finding ways to get, you know, even with that bad shooting night against Florida State, he still finished with nine rebounds, uh, no turnovers in I'm sorry, one turnover in in a game that was kind of bad on the turnover front for the buffs in general, uh, but it wasn't coming from him. Uh, still had a few assists in that game and he was getting to the free throw line he went nine for nine last night and is shooting 91 percent he's shooting the most free throws on the team and knocking them down at a 91 percent clip Uh, bodes well for going forward Uh, you know you got to be impressed with the way he's playing Uh, like I said other than that Florida State game he's been very efficient Uh, we saw it again last night shooting the ball real well finished nine for 13 overall and three for four on threes along with the nine for nine at the line. So, uh, great. You know, he had a good game against Colorado state last year. Uh, and then, you know, really kind of kept the team together and kept them in it in a hostile environment.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think he's playing great. I feel like he's taking that next step in his game and, you know, kind of gotten past, uh, kind of a rough end of last season. I know he was sick and things like that, but, um, he's kind of gotten past. I feel like he's taking that next level, um, that the Buffs need him to. And then, Cody Williams, you know, I thought was maybe, a not about breakout, but kind of a coming-of-age game for him a little bit last night and the way he played that second half, 21 points. I think all of it was in the second half, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, he was 0-3 at halftime. And we've seen this out of him so far. He, he's really been deferential. He hasn't really asserted himself. I, I'm not saying he's shied away or hasn't been aggressive. He's picked his spots for certain uh, and, and and just had kind of he had a spurt similar to what we saw last night uh, in that Florida state game as well. And, uh, uh, but last night was really something uh, he was, I think it was eight of nine in the second half. Uh, he also got to the free throw line and uh, hasn't been shooting them great so far this year, but went four for five last night, uh, knocked down his only three point attempt, you know, after a, he, he was over two from the arc in the opener and has shot it pretty well since then. That's another thing. he's not doing that at a high volume. Uh, but he's taking advantage of the opportunities when they're there, and you know what's been impressive to me, and we saw it last night, is his finishing touch around the rim is so smooth, uh, and he's got such a soft touch with those little floaters, the little baseline flips, and and lane floaters when he gets room off the glass. He's very good at getting the ball high off the glass, and. Uh, using those long limbs to his advantage when he's attacking the basket. So, uh, again, another impressive performance by someone in a hostile environment. You know, really the first time he's faced something like that uh, in his, you know, very young college career. Uh, The two games down in in Daytona Beach, even the Florida State game, certainly didn't have any kind of atmosphere like we saw last night. You know, 8,000 fans in your face going for the other team. Uh, And Williams certainly responded very well in that situation. You know, bodes well for those tough Pac-12 matchups on the road down the line here.
0: Yeah, easier said than done. But if you get that Cody Williams consistently, the Buffs are going to be really good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's been rebounding the ball decently. Uh, You know, he's had a couple games for a couple turnovers, came in bunches, you know, Florida State being one of them. Uh, but he's been he's been decent on that front. Otherwise, he's rebounded the ball a little bit. And again, this is only game uh, number seven for him. I'm sorry, six. He missed one. So it's only a sixth college game. And we've already seen him kind of improve by leaps and bounds. You know, I think that's something I, I don't see why that won't continue as he gets more games under his belt.
0: Yeah. And then the other one on sort of on the flip side is Tristan Da Silva. Um, 11 points, eight rebounds last night, which, you know, not bad numbers, but down the stretch it was almost like he wasn't there. You know, there, you didn't see a whole lot of Tristan, um, what'd you think about his performance last night? And, you know, numbers wise, he's having a good season, but is he doing what we kind of thought he would this season?
1: Yeah, not yet. He's been struggling away from home, which, which we saw, you know, it's weird. We saw this out of him last year as well. Uh, early in the year, away from home. And we're seeing it this year. Uh, to me, you know, I saw a lot of chatter about KJ's 5-for-22 game against Florida State, and certainly not what he wanted. He probably jacked up a few at the end, trying to get the team back into it that, that he'd want to have back. But like I said, some of the other numbers besides that 5-for-22 were pretty decent in that game. I think one – common thread between that Florida State loss and what we saw last night at Colorado State is Da Silva's struggles. You know, he's a guy that's been on, you know, a lot of watch lists, preseason, you know, Todd is a possible Pac-12 player of the year candidate. And so far in their two toughest games, he has not played at all like a player of the year candidate. He had uh, just eight points at Florida State. Last night was a season low six at Colorado State. Uh and those are the two games, you know, he's shooting the ball great at home. Uh, but he still has yet to make a three-pointer away from home. I I put this in the notes. That he's he's 0 for 12 on three pointers uh away from the event center so far. Now, we saw this a little bit last year. He had a rough game at Grambling. Um, you know, even though you know he was pretty good in the Tennessee game in Nashville. That that's probably the outlier early. Um he didn't shoot the ball well at the event in Myrtle Beach last year. Uh, he, he struggled in the first few Pac-12 series. You know, I know the the early road trip at, at, at Stanford and Cal, KJ was great, but Tristan struggled. Now, he got over that. Uh, he had some really good games. I know the Oregon trip last year, he was very good uh, down the stretch. He, he got it turned around, and he figured it out. But they need him to do that sooner than later at this point. Uh, because in games like that, you need your big players to step up. We saw it out of KJ Simpson last night. Uh, we did not see it out of Tristan De Silva, unfortunately. He'll have more opportunities. You know, they're only a little more than a week away from taking on nationally ranked Miami. Um, you know, I believe they're eight or nine right now. They'll probably drop. They got uh, uh, beaten up at Kentucky the other night. But they got some big matchups right around the corner. And we're getting closer and closer to Pac-12 play at this point uh and they need tristan De silva to step up a little more in these big moments
0: yeah you mentioned oh of 12 on threes away from boulder 13 of 19 in boulder which is yeah. insane
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so
0: yeah if you can somehow harness the uh the the boulder tristan De silva and take him on the road get the cody williams you got in the second half last night and then and then kj the way he's playing uh this team's gonna be uh you're know, really tough to beat but yeah i Pepperdine on Sunday uh that should be a win but that's kind of sets them up for uh, uh that's their last game before that that uh Brooklyn game against Miami so um a chance to sort of get back on track at least on the winning track and uh and get like Tristan going a little bit but um would you would you call that a big game on Sunday against Pepperdine
1: well it it, it feels like it in a sense the way that Iona game did in that I okay, got you are trying to bounce back from a loss, right? You're coming home. You want to play sharp. You want to not just win, but kind of get back to what you do well. And the bus did that against Iona. They need to do that against Pepperdine. Uh, You know, against one one difference is the schedule is going to start to slow down a little bit, getting toward the end of the semester. After Pepperdine, they they basically have, uh, you know, expect them to get some downtime and some study time in. They basically have a week, like you said, uh, before that Miami game. And then after that, it's just two more non-conference games uh, at home before uh, Pac-12 play begins at the end of December. So uh, it's coming fast. And, you know, the, I think the alarming thing with De Silva, I guess on the one hand, yes, there's a reason to be confident. He'll shake it off because we saw it last year. He, he did exactly that. He struggled away from home uh, at, at times early last year. And by the end, you know, there was – you know, kind of no difference between his home and road splits. So he's done it before. Uh, But on the other hand, you would like to think that he's already kind of figured that out after going through it last year. Um, And furthermore, they just need him. You know, they need him to step up in those big moments. If this team wants to go to the NCAA tournament and wants to compete for Pac-12 championships, they're going to have to come out with some wins in battles like last night at Colorado State. They're going to have to find ways to win those games at the end, and they need Tristan De Silva at his best and able to in order to do that.
0: Yeah. Uh, bottom line for me, seven games in, um, I'm still high on this basketball team. I mean, I don't think oh, they sure. have a bad loss yet. You know, it's disappointing to lose that game against Florida State. You want to beat Colorado State. They they could be seven and zero right now, but um, I'm still high on this team, and I'm excited to see what they do.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think the Miami matchup will be a key one. You know, it'll be, it's a long trip and a tough opponent, but it's a neutral floor. You know, I, you know, I think what's neat about those games is, uh, you know, it, it's kind of just in an even playing field, so to speak. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of a following Miami will have in that game in Brooklyn, we shall see but uh, I think it'll be a a, a great atmosphere regardless. And those neutral floors are kind of just, it's us against you and, you know, may the better team win. So, and I agree with you, you know, I didn't think this team was going to be a finished product out of the gate. I, you know, my kind of pre, whatever preseason projections I had for this team included a couple non-conference losses. I didn't think they'd be a finished product out of the gate. So, you know, keep improving, keep learning from these mistakes. And, you know, Bad first half at Colorado State, but really was a bad, I want to say about seven or eight minutes in the middle of the first half where they had turnovers on three, four possessions in a row. I think it wound up being five out of six uh in, in Colorado. And then obviously the sequence at the end of the half was just brutal with the five points in in 2.5 seconds. Uh some Reggie Miller stuff there yeah. at the end of the half for for the Rams. So uh, but yeah, uh I agree with you. I, you know, it does, this doesn't change my big picture thoughts on this team for this season. Um, but obviously they have some things that they can still work on and improve on.
0: Yeah. And usually if, if you're, if you're going to score 57 points in the second half, you think you're going to win that basketball game. So, you know, unfortunate uh, for the, for the bust on that, but um, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, let's switch over uh, to the women's team because uh, they suffered their first loss last Saturday uh, a game that uh, you, know, you filled in and uh, covered for me, sort of like on from the road because they were down in the Virgin Islands, which we both would have yeah, loved to have been down there instead.
1: <laughs> I, I can't believe they didn't sign off on sending one of us to the Virgin Islands for that. So. Right,
0: uh, but they did suffer uh, a loss against North Carolina State, which was number ten at the time, moved up to five this week. That's a really good basketball uh, team, and it just that was the first clunker game for the, for the women. So, um, you, you saw that game, but I mean, that was the first time that they hadn't played well all season, right?
1: Yeah. And that's basically what it got down to. It was a bad start. It was, it was a really bad start. Um, you know, it made the men's first half last night at at Colorado state look like gangbusters. Maybe they fell, you know, it was a a combination of North Carolina state playing really well. Uh, they kind of ambushed them right out of the gate and, it was kind of a classic case of just too much of an early hole to dig out of I think the score was 27 to six at one point um the Bucks yeah, it was tried bad. The game of it in the second quarter um but you know even then when you when you, you it's a lot of energy just to get it back down to 10 you know um and especially after playing a couple of games right in a row uh, in, on consecutive days so but you know they weren't going to go undefeated The whole regular season, I thought it was impressive. You were at the Boston game. Uh, Given the circumstances, you know, that's a game you expect to go out and win, almost kind of like those men's uh, non-conference matchups we just talked about. You want to come home. You want to look sharp uh, when you're the the CU women. You want to get back to doing what you do well after a loss like they had against North Carolina State. Uh, One difference is they had that long travel and a pretty short turnaround uh, before the home game against Boston, you were there, looked like a bit of a sluggish start, but obviously got it together and pulled away at the end.
0: Yeah. It was a weird game against Boston because that's a team that it's a really good Patriot league team, but a team that you should beat pretty easily. I mean, they beat they they had beaten Lemoyne by like 11 and, you know, Lemoyne's a team that CU beat by 60. So, uh, you thought they were going to pull away. They're trailing by three late in the third quarter. And then outscore them thirty-eight to five the last twelve minutes of the game, which was insane. So, uh, end up winning the game by thirty, and it, so it looks like a blowout. But um, really, they kind of needed that to get back on track. One difference between the men and women is the men still have that that tough one in Brooklyn uh, against Miami. The women should be able to kind of coast into Pac-12 play at this point. They got uh, at Air Force on Saturday, and then uh, UT Arlington and Northern Colorado. Uh, before starting pac-12 play. So uh they should be able to cruise and, and and go into pac-12 play on a little bit of a roll.
1: And i would expect them to do just that. Um and you know what they earned that paradise jam was a pretty good field uh for for playing that you know three games in, in a short amount of time so that was a good test. Obviously they had LSU out of the gate they've been on the road uh, they'll be sort of on the road, I guess, and it's certainly on the road, but it's not a long trip this week, uh, taking on Air Force down at the Academy. Uh, always uh, always fun to go down there, um, but uh, I, I would expect them to, to keep it. Was, it was kind of good to see them have that finish the way they did getting to Boston just to kind of get back on track, like, hey, okay, we got that lost in our rear view mirror. We can look forward here, and like you said, they have a few weeks to kind of work on whatever coach jr Payne feels they need to improve on going forward uh it's been yeah it's been a pretty impressive start though for the team
0: yeah and and jr mentioned to me the other day kind of a whirlwind start the first three weeks and you know with all their travel unusual amount of travel for them and just they usually don't play you know really good teams early on in the non conference and they've done that this year so um you know they've they've handled it much better than I think most people uh, thought they would. Um, obviously, the LSU win coming out of the case was kind of set the tone for things. But that that women's basketball team is in really good shape, and uh, you know, look. I I still think the outlook for both these teams is uh is pretty it isn't any different than what we thought going into the season. I think both of them have uh, pretty high outlooks for the season.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, been a little bit more of a challenge seemingly for the men's team here. Out of the gate but you know i kind of like i said before i expected it to be i didn't i didn't expect them to kind of roll through non-conference without a a, a couple blemishes along the way um you know now that said it would be nice to pick up one kind of marquee non-conference win i don't know that they have that on their resume yet maybe some of those early teams will wind up doing pretty well in their conferences like we saw last year, out of Grambling State, uh, but you really like to get it together and maybe have uh, pick pick up that win when they take on Miami in Brooklyn coming up here. But but yeah, I expect us to be talking about NCAA tournament possibilities for both teams come February still.
0: Yeah, well, we got to finish up some non-conference, and uh, you know, obviously, we'll talk about that as we go along. But let's kind of uh, shift gears. Uh, for the end of this and, and uh, wrap up football a little bit. Um, 23-17 loss at Utah last week. No Shador Sanders, uh, no Xavier Weaver in that game. Ryan Staub, I thought, played you know admirably, did a good job, almost almost led him to a win. And now Utah obviously depleted, and uh, they were using their fifth-string quarterback. But um, I thought coming off that 56-14 loss to Washington State, I thought that CU did a really good job of, of bouncing back and, you know, fighting and giving themselves a shot to win that game
1: yeah and good for them i didn't really think they would have a shot just it, it seemed like a pace of a team just kind of limp into the finish line and, and ready to turn the page and uh they didn't play like that at all they, they went out there with a lot of pride they 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 battled they kind of scrapped and they kept themselves in the game and come on a we'll way to end it unfortunately didn't get back in the win column for the buffs and uh, moving forward, you know, we're, we're only just into the, uh, the off season here and already a lot of moves to talk about with the bus, but, uh, so far, at least as far as the coaching staff goes, maybe some not totally unexpected moves so far.
0: Yeah. Two coaches have left, both of which were basically demoted during the season. You know, Tim Brewster resigns on Sunday, the day after the, the Utah game and, uh, you know, was very quickly down in Charlotte, and uh, you know, apparently he's now the uh, associate head coach and and tight ends coach down at uh, at Charlotte. So good for him. And then uh, Sean Lewis obviously had the play calling duties taken away eight games into the season, which is still mind boggling to me. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're averaging 32 points a game, and uh, you know, you brought him in to be that guy, and eight games in you take the play calling, but clearly there was a disconnect between him and and Dion or him and Shador, you know, um, or both, and it didn't work out. And so, uh, you kind of had to move on, I guess, if it's not going to work out, but Sean Lewis leaves Colorado and is now the head coach of San Diego state. So, uh, good for both of those guys, uh, getting jobs and probably a win-win because, uh, you know, based on the, the mid season move, I'm not sure either one of those guys were in the plans going forward anyway.
1: Right. I mean, that's not hard to. Read between those lines, right? Uh, those guys both were, uh, yeah, kind of demoted as you as you said, demoted down the stretch. And you know, Sean Lewis, it's it's still such a head scratch. It still feels like a bit of a panic move to me, um, making that kind of move at that stage of the season. Now, I know Coach Sanders has gone on about we don't see what's going on in the background and and all that, which was a clear indication that there was, uh, as you alluded to a disconnect, uh, maybe a personality clash, whatever it is amongst the coaching staff, and it just wasn't working. Uh, But for all the offense's struggles in the run game and ability to protect Shadur Sanders, you know, they still did a lot of great things. They're they're putting up huge numbers in the pass game. Um, Obviously, Shadur Sanders wound up as the program's single-season leader in passing yards, and he didn't even play in the final game. So, um, you know, that kind of move is the kind of thing you're doing when you're not putting usually when you aren't putting points up on the board or you're just not kind of executing or, or functioning or, you know, it's the kind of move you'd expect out of last year's buff team, not this year's, even with the struggles this year's, there was still a lot of good things happening with that offense. And uh, clearly the disconnect in the background was was. was too much to, to kind of continue in the status quo. But once that happened, you had to figure Sean Lewis was going to be moving on. Uh, he was kind of, his star was on the rise coming here and it was kind of a, you know, curious fit at the time, leaving a head coach position, you know, even at a place like Kent state to come to Colorado an unproven program with Deion Sanders trying to turn it around. And uh, obviously Sean Lewis already landing at San Diego state shows that, uh, whatever happened here didn't diminish that star on the rise status for him. The coaching ranks.
0: Yeah. And, and really I think had they kept scoring the 32 points a game, whatever, and, and they get to a bowl game or, or whatever, I think Sean Lewis probably leaves for a head coaching job. Cause he's probably even a better candidate than people looked yeah. at him at. So um, I think it was probably a one year deal anyway, the way, I mean, if he had panned out the way he wanted. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate it didn't work out because I, th- I thought he was a fantastic hire. But now it's going to be interesting to see what they do with offensive coordinator. And, you know, I know a lot of people are down on uh, Pat Shermer, but, you know, <laughs> what Dion was saying about Pat Shermer after that game on Saturday was a better endorsement than he ever gave Sean Lewis, I thought. You know, he basically said that, uh, hey, he gets along with Shadur really well. I mean, they communicate really well. Uh, he communicates with me really well. And uh, that, to me, Kind of says that might be the key there. Um, I you have to have somebody that gets along with your quarterback, especially when that quarterback is your son. And uh, if he trusts Pat Shermer in that regard, and Shador trusts him, I could see Pat Shermer being the offensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, a pretty curious situation, and you know I want to ask you. You you're kind of on top of this, uh, maybe a little bit more than I am, but how much is this hurting them? I know they've had the quarterback decommitments, you know, even in your story on Daniel O'Neill, he talked about his relationship with Sean Lewis in that story. And it was just a few days after uh, we published that, that, uh, you know, the, the, the coaching shakeup occurred. So you wondered if this was going to be kind of the final decision for Daniel, Neil, at least in regards to the Buffaloes, but how much is the unsettled situation uh, at coordinator hurting the Buffs in recruiting, if at all, uh, as, as we get closer to signing day here?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's to be determined, but I, I think it would probably hurt them as far as quarterback recruiting, um, not knowing who it's going to be, but also you know, just kind of the unsettled nature of it and you know the fact that Shador is still going to be your starting quarterback I think it's probably going to hurt that in that regard, but um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do in recruiting because they're they're taking some heat on their high school recruiting, but that's not going to be their emphasis anyway. And so yeah. once the portal opens fully on Monday, I'm just curious to see what, what they, they wind up doing. And um, I think first and foremost, when you talk about the recruiting aspect, I'm curious to see what Ryan Staub does. You know, Does he want to stay here after going through this season and, uh, you know, Does he maybe follow with Sean Lewis or go somewhere else? So um, I'm curious to see what, what happens even in that regard. So uh, I think backup quarterback is going to be interesting because I think it's tough to find that guy when you've got this dynamic.
1: Yeah, and I've written about that a couple times now in, in the extra points column that it's uh, it's going to be tough to shore that up behind Shador Sanders just given – you know, all the aspects you talk about, the, the, the coordinator aspect aside, uh, which is an issue, but as a coach's son, entrenched as a starter, I do think that's a little easier maybe this offseason, uh, just because, uh, you know, it's probably just one more season with Shadur for, for certain now, so maybe that opens some pathways to players that might think they have a chance uh, a year down the road if they come in and work and learn, so definitely uh, will be interesting to see how it plays out and uh you know turning the page on the season and looking forward to recruiting and what the bus will put together for 2024
0: yeah and and that's a good point is that you know the 2024 class of quarterbacks you can get somebody in now they can probably look at it and say yeah i'll sit for a year but then i can be a starter for four years so so we'll see But there's lots to talk about in that regard um you know lots of basketball we're going to talk about down the road as well but um you know, really good basketball game again last night. Tough loss for the Buffs, but uh, still uh, looking good on the basketball front. And Pat, we'll talk about it more as we get uh, you know closer to Pac-12 play.
1: Sounds good. Enjoy the rest of your week, Mister Howell. And as always, folks, thanks for listening.